face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. One took a little longer than, to start than than usual, <laughs> and and we're back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, and I'm joined once again by Trucker Prize. Hello, hello, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Very good. Um, <clears throat> today we are talking about the Star Trek: The Next Generation episode, The Hunted. So we're going to have our casual and informal uh, discussion about that episode. Um, but before we get started, I was told by a friend that uh, she was watching and she doesn't know how to get a hold of me, so I'm not doing a good job. She said that you're supposed to tell all your things at the beginning of the <laughs> of the episode. So to make it easy, if you want to learn more about Starfleet Boy or Trekker Prize, you can just go to starfleetboy.com or trekkerprize.com. Easiest Everything's buy. there. <laughs> yeah, everything's there. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and also you could like my Facebook page and stuff like that. So all the things are there. Starfleetboy.com. I'm very lucky to have a .com. I feel like not many people have their own. <laughs> or do they? Or do <laughs> you, you can buy it. You can buy anything these days. <laughs> That's true. That is a good point. We are entering uh, a time when you can buy everything. I'm going to move this microphone because I have to lean over there. Oh, there we go. Oh, and now my my nice little <laughs> communicator badge can be seen. Mine is there. As well. It's embroidered. I can't even move it anymore. <laughs> you have to actually use your classic communicator, which I think you have one, right? Is that what you're getting? <laughs> Energize. <laughs> <laughs> you do that so well. It's like you have a stance and everything. That's perfect. You did exactly like on, on the intro to your show. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. good practice, good practice. <laughs> very, very nice. Um, <clears throat> so I guess we'll jump right in. Right into the episode summary. Do you want to do it or shall I do it? You'll do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so basically, uh, there's uh, the the episode begins with the Enterprise um, uh, on its way to a planet. Uh, what was the name of the planet? You just watched the episode, oh, right? Um, um, uh, according to my calculations, the planet name was. <laughs> 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 I'll get back to you with that. <laughs> well, I know that I know that the colony was called Luna Luna um, Five. That Luna was the five, colony so. on the moon. Yeah, here we're gonna have to go <laughs> put the pieces to, together. <laughs> we're gonna have to go to. Uh, would it be Memory Alpha? Let's see if they have a good a good little widget on the side that tells you some quick information. It's Angosia. 
Angosia. The Angosia, Angosians. yes. How could we forget the Angosians? No. Good grief. Well, only appeared uh, <laughs> once in the entire season and the entire series, actually. Yes. So. <laughs> it's not like Corona. L- like so many of uh, our uh, planets that we visit, uh, they may never come again. But um, the Angosians are, are relatively very peaceful uh, and advanced uh, and idyllic kind of uh, civilization. They have a very beautiful kind of central square that looks like a mall um, that we see in the, <laughs> in the episode. And um, we meet uh, their prime um, their prime minister, played by James Cromwell. Mr. from Cochrane. <laughs> yep, the father of the future there. <laughs> um, and he plays prime minister uh, Nayrock. And um, anyways, they're petitioning for entry into the Federation, and Captain Picard is quite... Um, quite uh, favorable to this. He thinks that, yeah, why not? They seem pretty cool. But Riker makes a kind of comment uh, which he says, I feel like these guys are a little too stuffy uh, for my taste. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, when uh, we get to... By the way, the episode starts on the planet. It doesn't start on the on the Enterprise like I had previously suge- suggested. I just remember I just You can see that. the Enterprise flying by, so it's partly true. <laughs> partly true, yeah, it's true. They're in standard orbit. Um, anyways, uh, all of a sudden, the Prime Minister's like, oh, crap, there's like a uh, problem. We have a, uh, one of our prisoners on our Luna 5 uh, prison colony has escaped, and uh, we need your help to uh to retrieve him so picard you know says enterprise go catch this guy (laughs) well it's a lot harder than we thought so data's in command which is kind of cool i think this is if i recall this is like really one of the first times that uh we see data um in command of the ship and it it suits him rather nicely i must say he's a very good he's a very good commander anyways he is out uh outmaneuvered by this little tiny spaceship and tricked into thinking that uh, the uh, passenger died. So he reports back, and Captain Picard looks really shocked. He's like, what do you mean the Enterprise couldn't catch the prisoner? He's like, yeah, he's pretty shocked. He's like, I put Data in charge, and <laughs> and this is what happens. <laughs> so anyways, the... Um, the mystery unfolds a little bit further, and uh, the crew of the Enterprise figure out that um, the uh, the the drive section of the ship is actually hiding in the planet's um, atmosphere somehow. Was it? Were they? Up I think in, it was a gravita- pole? gravitational pull or something. Like they were at the poles or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember clearly. But anyways, <laughs> so <laughs> so they tractor beam him. Uh, Picard's on board the Enterprise by now, and they tractor beam the ship. And so then the ship starts to like actually rev up its engines and charge at the Enterprise, bounce off the shields, and do this other crazy maneuver. And so then they finally, uh, I think it's Riker who says, just beam anything that you think. <laughs> might be a life form uh, on board. And so uh, Chief O'Brien does that, and we then meet our uh, hero or or antagonist in the episode, Roga Danar. Yeah, he's... uh, So they beam him aboard, and there's a couple of security officers, and he easily overpowers them, and he starts running around, and then they finally capture him and put him in the brig. 
End of story. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what? That was just only five, ten minutes from the beginning. <laughs> uh, there, it's a pretty awesome fight. Uh, but then, so then Counselor Troy becomes interested in Roga Danar in this episode, and she decides to start talking to him. And as she does, she realizes he's actually not such a bad guy. He's actually very intelligent. He's, uh, you know, he's he's kind. He seems kind. He's, you know, he's, uh, he seems like a an up and up kind of person. So she's very confused, and that leads to her asking uh, more questions. And then we find out that Roga Danar and all the call, you know, all the prisoners, quote-unquote, on Luna 5 were part of a government program in which they conditioned their soldiers to be really uh, elite-type soldiers, and they've even altered their um, their body with, uh, with chemicals and genetic uh, modifications so that they can withstand things like phaser fire and, you know, and their uh, reflexes and, and their instincts are enhanced uh, when they're in a, a hostile situation. <clears throat> But the side effect is that being so um, uh, so enhanced, uh, there's things that uh, Roga Danar, for example, he can't turn it off. Like if there's a situation that is tense, he's gonna go into fight mode, and it's prob and you know That's why not just that he's dangerous for the society. Right. Well, it could be dangerous for society, but it also could mean, <clears throat> you know, it's it's a very uncomfortable situation because he remembers everything as well. He says he has an enhanced memory, and so he can remember every detail of every person that he's ever killed. And so it's a very tormentful, it's a very uh, difficult existence, and it's kind of sad. And so Counselor Troy takes pity on him, or, or interest in him, rather, and starts to advocate for him. And then Data does the same thing. He goes down and he talks to, to Roga uh, Dana, and he actually envies Data, of course. Everyone envies <laughs> data because who wouldn't want to why. be uh, <laughs> who wouldn't want to have their emotions uh, gone right we those pesky things we call emotions that that get in the way of so many uh, so many things for humans <laughs> but anyways um, Picard you know his hands are tied he says well I can't really interfere this is the uh, <clears throat> Angos- this is an Angosian problem and then even when he talks to um, James Cromwell about it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what was his name? It's James Cromwell, right? <laughs> Is he just, just, he didn't call him his, in his character name. <laughs> Nayrock, the Prime Minister. Nayrock. So when, <laughs> when he talks to Nayrock about it, Nayrock says, um, <coughs> Excuse me. Nayrock says, This, well, Captain Picard, this is a matter of um, internal security. And one of the best lines from uh, Star Trek comes out of this uh, this moment uh, where Picard says something to... Uh, well, I have to now look it up, but it's something <laughs> to the effect of um, a matter of eternal internal security, the age-old cry of the oppressor. Um, let me see here. Oh, uh, let's see. Wait. It's got to be here somewhere. Ah, here we go. Picard. A matter of etern- internal security. The age-old cry, cry of the oppressor. Oh, I got yeah. it right. Yeah, <laughs> I you got actually, it right. I got it right. So that's cool. <laughs> I, that's a very profound um, statement, and it's very relevant to humans today as much as it was to humans in the 1990s. <laughs> but, um, but anyways, uh, this leads Captain Picard to kind of uh, be a little bit more... 
shall we say, suspicious of um, the Angosians. And uh, so, he, but he reluctantly, he agrees to transport... Um, um, Dana, <laughs> what's his name? Rhaegar, Roga, yes. Roga. Yes. I want to say Rhaegar because of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Den- Roga Denar. Yes. Um, anyways, uh, they figure out a way to transport him to the Angosian ship, which will be very minimal. But for some reason, at the moment of transport. Uh, Roga Danar is able to break out of the transporter beam by just moving his arms <laughs> around. Yeah. And he's able to escape and he makes his way through the ship. Some very cool scenes where we get to see the Jeffries tubes. Um, and then Cargo Bay, there's a fight with Worf. Uh, and then finally, uh, uh, Roga Danar manages to escape. It's a very exciting, actually. Um, it's like under siege on on the Enterprise. It's a very exciting action sequence. And uh, anyway, so uh, Captain Picard, uh, real, you know, they, he escapes, and um, miraculously, he knows everything about uh, Galaxy Class Starship. By the way, he yes, he's, uh, we'll we'll talk about that in in more detail because I have a few <laughs> questions. Uh, but anyways, uh, the the point of the story is he gets they you know that he escapes. He goes back to Luna Five. He liberates the colony. They go down to the planet. The Angosians are freaking out. They call the um, the crew of the Enterprise, and Picard decides, all right, let's go down and. Um, fix this once and for all so he calls basically everyone except Riker to beam down with him and there's a nice scene also where Riker says to Worf I'm putting you personally uh, respons- making you personally responsible for the captain and uh, Worf says I understand is that that is this episode right yes it okay, is. cool. Because <laughs> there's another interesting, similar episode coming up next. <laughs> so I kind of mind melded them together a little bit. Oh, yeah, bit, actually, but, when, um, when, when you told me which one I have to watch, I, I totally mixed up this episode with that one. Oh, so did you watch <laughs> the other one also? No, no I haven't. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, you get. You were it's remembering things kind of mixed up, yeah. I, I do, I do, yeah, um, but it, it was a mix up, yes. <laughs> So uh, so Picard beams down and uh, confronts uh, the Prime Minister and uh, James Cromwell and <laughs> Z and uh, <laughs> Zephram um, and uh, he's like they're like you know they finally admit that they about their you know kind of their dark past but they don't see it as a problem they keep they keep hiding behind. Um, that the the greater good and that the public you know there was a referendum and everyone voted and you know it, uh, you know it's just kind of like this unbelievable you know Scenario. way of hiding yeah. behind yeah hiding behind uh rules and regulations when you know the truth is really awful and what they've done to their fellow you know children their brothers their sisters all this all they're all angosians right so anyways at that point um the mercenaries uh, break in and uh, there's a standoff and um, uh, the Prime Minister uh, looks to Picard for help and Picard says well you know what you said it's an internal security matter and uh, I'm gonna in your own words it's not my place to interfere and so ta-ta for now <laughs> and so he so he beams out and uh, he's really upset it's a great performance by Patrick Stewart um, and you know says that 
uh, to Riker. Basically, if the government of Angosia survives the night, uh, we'll offer our assistance to help reintegrate the um, the the soldiers into uh, their society. And Riker says something along the lines of, well, what makes you so sure <laughs> that the government um, will survive? And he says, well, I have a feeling they will. And I share that feeling. <laughs> so episode tied up in a nice little bow. Enterprise is on its way to its next adventure. And so what did you think, Gary? <laughs> wow, just like that. What did you think? Uh, <laughs> just like that. What did you think? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you just saw it. You just watched it. No, I like I like the episode. I like the episode. It was a bit long in terms of um, in terms of this whole, you know, escaping um, from the Enterprise and, and just misleading everyone. It was oh, a bit long. You cut out. It, 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 oh yeah, I think. But I'm still recording, so it's, it's gonna be flawless for every every listener. Fan- <laughs> fantastic. Um, for the podcast. Yeah, uh, listeners. Uh, yeah, you you guys are really lucky. When we do get these recordings, uh, it, when we're able to get the recordings in, uh, it's wonderful for you guys because you get an uninterrupted and weird, a weird, <laughs> a slightly weirder, a slightly weirder version of Starfleet Boy. Um, I don't know. I I did. I think I think there was a lot of. Um, storytelling or exposition in this episode and i thought it was great i um i also liked the episode um i i thought the the um the first fight scene was pretty okay it was good it, you know it was interesting in like and room. you know in the transporter room the yeah. the chase scene, you know there's a lot of action in this episode yeah. so f- let's actually go back to uh the first scene which is the you know the chase scene uh with the enterprise pursuing the um the luna 5 uh vessel that's pretty exciting but it's kind of like you know <clears throat> we've kind of seen this thing before maybe i don't know maybe i've just seen it so many times that i feel <laughs> like i've seen this scene before where like a ship is able to outsmart the enterprise and it's like you know by hiding in not the even outsmarted that's, that's data said exactly the same words eluded us sir <laughs> eluded us, right? Exactly. And even Picard eluded the Enterprise. <laughs> it's like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, he was like totally like, I don't understand what's happening. But um, <laughs> but the second scene, the escape from the transportation, the second time around, and that it's a pretty long and 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 big scene. You know, there. First of all, uh, Rogadenar has some advantages. One is that y- you can't detect his life signs with sensors, so he has some way to you. You can you can only know where he is by when he opens an access panel or something like that. So mm-hmm. Data is doing his best to track him throughout the Enterprise, and I like the scene a lot because there were a lot of good ideas in there. Like for example, how he was leaving a trail for you to follow. I actually didn't remember what the point was so that was very clever that he like misdirected the enterprise and everyone thought he was going to transporter room two and he actually ended up going to cargo no shuttle bay two um shuttle bay two sorry and then <laughs> ended up going to the cargo transporter um <clears throat> but what i didn't really understand was like i get that he has a superior kind of knowledge and maybe you maybe you have a an explanation for this but he just seemed to be able to override the Enterprise's security systems like someone who would know Starfleet systems really well. And my impression is that he's been on this 
prison colony and they had nothing to do with Starfleet and they'd never had anything to do with Starfleet ships. It just seemed a little baffling. Like, and and it, when he was in the brig, like, I don't know. I don't think they give you schematic information and ships information if you're a prisoner. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like there's a computer uh, console in the brig. Um, so for uh, to me, it was a little bit of a stretch for for me to imagine that he could just figure all this out on his own. Like, he I got the the overpowering people thing that was that made total sense but like he's swapping out isolinear chips and he's overriding like security lockouts and things like that and it just kind of like was impressive but a little bit far-fetched what did you think it, it was a little bit well a little bit yes uh, but <laughs> at the other hand you can sort of understand it because uh, as they stated at the at one point in the episode they are like enhanced to for military purposes, so I'm I'm sure they're not enhanced by strength; they enhanced by knowledge and and um, and you know just observing things. So I'm sure he has like a he's like superior like Khan basically. So I think that's what I try to you know accept. Okay, that's why he knows well, a lot of things about the Enterprise and the systems. Maybe because he's a good observer and he, quick observer. I think that you're. I think that you know that's a that's a good point, and I'm, it's interesting that you brought Khan up. But even Khan couldn't think like he knew how basic, like kind of intermediate, you know, Starship workings. But he didn't know about the prefix code, and that's what saved. Uh, well, you know, yeah, like, that's what saved the know, Enterprise. Yes, <laughs> that's what saved the Enterprise. And and you know maybe they could have fixed it with like a line. Um, maybe Dana, maybe uh, Roga Danar. Um, could have been a you know a he maybe if they had him his character admire the federation in some way and star starfleet in particular and maybe he could have even referenced like well you know when i read your i read your earth history and one of my um heroes which by the way will happen in the next episode but (laughs) (laughs) but he could have like casually dropped um a hint like you know that he maybe admired starship like he maybe his thing was about engineering and he really loved starships and he studied starship schematics i don't know i guess we have to use our imagination and imagine those kinds of things but it would have been a cool way of explaining it within the episode i think had had it been written in just a i guess that's my little my little uh, gripe with the with with the intelligence of uh, rogadanar <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, no, no, I, I, I totally, totally, um, on your side with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. We're in agreement. That's okay. Um, I, d- I think this was the first time James Cromwell appears on Star Trek: The Next Generation, if I'm not mistaken. At least it's the first time I, I remember think seeing I, I him. I believe so. Yes. Unless he played uh, a person in. Oh wait. In um, yeah, he might have actually been wearing makeup. I think there is a weird. Other thing. Hold on. Let's to, see, James. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> if you do a Google search for James Cromwell, he did. Uh, uh, he was in Voyager, actually, <laughs> I think, or DS9. No, DS9. Oh, yeah, his he middle was... name is Oliver. He's oh. named after Oliver Cromwell, the dictator of, of England. Oh, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> did you Did you know? Of course, that nope. England had a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he played uh, alien, in, um, including the first ever glimpses of 
Iriad. Jaglumshek. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. TNG two-part brightening. And he was hobbled by the broken legs of it just before shooting. And the Karama Hanok in DS9 Starship Down. And then obviously Prime Minister Nayrak in The Hunted. So basically he been in, in Star Trek afterwards and before. Well, after, obviously, Bright, right? Birch but right. I think Birch this right. is... Yes. A- Right, but I think this is his first appearance. Yeah, the yeah, 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 absolutely. And then Birchwright and then Starship Town in. Season three is pretty cool. We have um, we have uh, James Cromwell. We also have uh, Riker. Uh, Jonathan Frakes directs his first episode this season, I think, hmm. which is exciting. He's gonna uh, do the episode with Data's daughter. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So there's gonna be a lot of fun. I think fun things happening. Oh, we get yesterday's Enterprise this season too, which I'm yeah. looking forward to. Getting uh, but going back to <laughs> but going back to the hunted, I think that um, you know uh, conditioning for the, the most important thing I gathered about this uh, episode um, is that it was a very I thought like a very um, political politically charged episode if you will Mm. um this is something that kind of if you were to imagine that um you know um on earth you know what could you compare the situation to um there's a lot of situations where um you know, people are oppressed by their governments or former soldiers are now enemies of the state. And it's like the message here is that to be a true, to be a truly enlightened, you know, prosperous uh, civilization or even just country, you know, on, on earth today, you can't, you, you can't, let some of your people have rights and others not have rights, you know, and this is kind of like the ongoing Mm -hmm. message, um, that, that I think a lot of people are trying to say that we need to get past as humans because that's happening right now on this planet is that some people have rights and others do not, you know, and there's a million ways we can, we can, you know, illustrate this. I don't have to go into any details, just pick any cause, you know, my, one of my, um, causes obviously is, uh, uh, gay and lesbian rights, but also women's rights, you know, (laughs) like, so, and that's just here in the United States. Um, there's even, you know, far far more you know uh kind of uh uh here at least we have a society that can live together but there's some places where there's a lot of fighting going on because of the fact that not everyone in the population um has rights and so when when you know why is it so difficult like why is it such a a hard thing to embrace your fellow human and and embrace differences and embrace you know uh and instead of being exclusionary to be welcoming yeah being open-minded a little bit more yeah being open-minded a little bit more and you know in here in this episode in this particular condi- uh situation i think that there's a lot of parallels with like you know sometimes i think veterans feel veterans who come home from war I think they feel similar to what these mercenaries and these soldiers, rather, I should say, um, were feeling. You know, of course, this is a much more uh, complicated situation. As far as I know, we don't have, you know, we don't have any um, enhanced soldiers yet or, you know, or any kind of conditioning. Well, never say never. We don't know anything. (laughs) 
<laughs> to keep it on the reps. Yeah. Perhaps, but let's just hope that that's not something that goes on. You know, it's like, uh, it's a horrifying thought. I mean, we see this in, in Wolverine, you know, like that's, that's another example of this kind of thing. But anyways, as far as I'm aware, uh, you know, and I'm not aware of a lot, (laughs) (laughs) um, we don't do these kinds of practices. We don't, you know, we, we do give soldiers some enhancements with technology, but as far as I know, there's not really... Uh, an overt like conditioning that like triggers and takes over the mind you know there mm-hmm. there's training of course but not not like to this extent but even still um you know someone who's been off to war has an experience that is unique and that not everyone experiences and oftentimes soldiers come home and are met with you know fear and 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 you know people don't understand them and so you know and then not just that like a lot of times the governments of our planet you know they're they're happy to fund a war you know they're it's it's understandable and and justifiable but when the soldiers come home they get minimal uh treatments minimal care um and they're not treated like the heroes that they should should be treated like oftentimes they're kind of treated like oh well you know there's a lot of difficulties uh to get to get anything accomplished and i think there's so much trauma from war that when you come home there should be more given to you as a soldier anyways that's my personal opinion but i i I think a lot of people share that i agree and and so here you see in this little tiny uh, Star Trek episode, you see themes that, that that kind of you know kind of suggest these things and um, and a possible solution too, which is uh, you know I know it's cheesy, but you know basically <laughs> like 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 y- you can just love you through love and understanding and caring. You can reintegrate anyone uh, into your society and bring them back into the fold. And so I think it's a very important um, episode in terms of its philosophy if not if it wasn't brilliantly executed in terms of uh you know uh production it was it was beautifully executed in terms of story i thought yeah yeah I mean, it was it was absolutely in the uh <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, I'm just like sitting here listening to you and listen agree with everything <laughs> That's fine with me, but I, I love a little, I love a good disagreement, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, one, thing I, one thing I did notice, obviously the remastering was beautifully done. Yes. I thought the details on the ships were really awesome. But um, I did get the impression, ooh, there's like a race car or something going on. Yeah, motorcycle. <laughs> um, I did get the impression, though, in the fight scene with Worf that some of the containers in the cargo uh, transport room. Yeah, they're like polystyrene, <laughs> exactly. Like, it was pretty obvious. Um, and so that was a little disappointing because I, obviously I didn't care when I, when I last saw it. Or maybe I noticed it and then it's one of those things you forget about. No, at the beginning when it's, the whole thing falls to, uh, to Worf, it even makes a noise. But when Worf stands up and you know, just throw everything <laughs> away, it doesn't have anything. You don't hear anything. It's like, what? <laughs> Sound doesn't exist anymore. It's like... <laughs> Maybe it could be just as simple as uh, inserting a few sounds to help make it seem like those things are made of something <laughs> more heavy, more heavy, and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> it was cool uh, to see how the Enterprise crew responded to uh, 
this emergency situation. I mean, even like flooding the cargo bay with this gas and, you know, all kinds of things. But again, uh, Rogadenar is pretty extraordinary because he manages to elude (laughs) everything again. again. Uh, Is this the first time that we see the Jeffries tubes? I thought the... the Uh, According to... According to Trekcore, um, behind-the-scenes guide, uh, first mention of the Jeffrey's tube, uh, Jeffrey's tubes, uh, another home homage to the 60s classic Trek. Although the sets for the crawlways weren't seen until season, until the next season, Galaxy's Child. So technically, the Jeffrey's tube, as it is, being said, well mentioned in this episode first, uh, and yeah to pay an homage to the classic series so it wasn't wasn't right. mentioned before but so, it, it came yeah, so up it, it came up after the um, after these after the episode because every time they just said it, even in Voyager they, they referenced it a lot and even in DS9 well yeah as well. It's, it's it's become a thing yeah. if you if it's a if it's a you know a Starfleet vessel the crawl spaces are called the Jeffries tubes and that's mm. a, you know an homage to Matt Jeffries the the designer um, of the Enterprise, but um, that's right. He designed the Enterprise. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I thought I thought it was cool because the the Jeffries tube set was pretty nicely lit with that orange light, and um, they're not. You don't really crawl through these ones. These are like some larger ones, and um, I think they use the same set in Star Trek Five later yeah, on. Yeah, that's lit, exactly lit, just what I wanted lit, to say. <laughs> it's lit differently. Yeah. Um, and Scotty, Scotty has that scene, <laughs> which is pretty funny. That I've, I actually watched an interview with him uh, once when the movie came out, just off right after, in British television. And well, obviously, I, I saw it a couple of years ago, not back then. But but I remember watching the uh, interview with him, and he said they built this five hundred no two hundred and fifty thousand dollar set uh, just for that scene. And he had to do at least five times that scene just because sometimes the camera was too uh, too um, fast, sometimes the camera was too slow, sometimes he didn't even um, <laughs> wobble down and <laughs> fall down into <laughs> to the ground or something. So it was <laughs> it was funny. It was, it was a funny funny thing um, to hear from him actually. <laughs> No, that that's is, it. That Sorry, cool. <laughs> just a little behind I, the scenes. I think I no, no. I think I've seen that actually. It's a really, it's a really cool uh, thing. James Doohan was uh, pretty. Speaking of veterans, he served in World War Two. Yeah, um, and he actually lost his finger. Uh, he was shot like seven times or something insane, actually. <laughs> and I, I think uh, his life was saved because he had a uh, flask or something in his pocket. I'm not sure what it was, but he. I remember hearing or reading that story. <laughs> Um, R. Scotty. <laughs> I really, um, I thought that the Counselor Troy um, scenes with Dana uh, Rogadenar um, were were really well written, and um, I thought um, Marina Sirtis uh, did a great job with her performance here because there was a real like you, you you saw this sense of like both you know kind of she's horrified by him. And like the atrocities that he's committed, but then she's also she's torn, and you really see it in her performance because she also sees that he's actually probably a really nice uh, person. What did you think of those scenes? 
Yeah, well, at the beginning, I thought, okay, this is just so random because she was walking in the corridor in the Enterprise, and it's like, oh, I'm sensing something, you know. <laughs> Obviously, oh, you just cut out again. No. Wait, so. So Sorry, should, I, I couldn't hear what you were saying, so you gotta say uh, it again. <laughs> so, basically, she was walking in the uh, corridors of the Enterprise, and she was just sensing something. So it was totally random, like... Oh, yeah, what? you're right. She could sense one person and has a big problem, but what if in deck 45, someone has a major breakdown because of a, I don't know, a breakup or something? <laughs> just to say something relevant. <laughs> And she, constantly, she, she she never went down to anyone, or maybe we don't know, but would, would she go down to Deck 45 to help that poor guy or poor girl to like, I think she, like, yeah, give support? Well, I, it's like, you know what, I, ju- I just, I was in a mess hall and I sensed you had a problem and I'm going down, I'm going to help you now <laughs> or something, you know. We, we, we don't see anything like that, unfortunately, <laughs> although that would have been really cool, but it she happened, does it all the it time. It happened this time. <laughs> Yeah, but but she does it all the time with the bridge crew. Like, if she senses something, she might call um, Captain Picard and say, "Hey, is everything out all right on the bridge?" You know, because she'll she'll sense some tension or an emotion or something like that. So she has interesting um, abilities. Uh, but yeah, it, was <laughs> it seems a bit selective, to be honest. It's, I don't really want to, to you know, well, to def- that, that say anything be, wrong. You know, but it's a bit selective. I, I agree with you, and <laughs> what I would say is that that's definitely not a flaw of the um, the design of the character, if you will, but a, mm-hmm. a rather a flaw of the show, because yeah. you don't have time to kind of, oftentimes, what happens, I think, uh, and, you know, I don't have any knowledge, I've never been a writer for a television show, so this is like, with, with, with great, uh, I hope if there are any writers that write for TV, they'll chime in and, and, and set me straight. But my impression is, is that oftentimes you're under these like really extreme deadlines to get these stories written. Yeah. And I'm so sure. you have to, so you have to sacrifice a little, <laughs> I feel like if you had, of course, if you had more time, you could really flesh out, um, a show and, that, and, 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 <laughs> <laughs> While we're on that subject, that's that's one of the things that like worries me. Um, but not anymore. I feel a little bit more at ease about it. But in the beginning, way back when Star Trek Discovery was first being announced, it, it seemed like such a short time from when they announced that they hadn't even gotten any actors. Yeah, I think together it was yet. like I remember it was t- like yeah, twenty sixteen like, January or something. That's when they announced yeah. it, and then we're going to do it in twenty seventeen January. No, actually, it was in December or September or something. So it was like something nine, like that. Yeah, nine ten like, months yeah. just from the release date, and I mean from the announcement. And it was making me crazy because <laughs> I thought it was it was making me crazy because I thought, whoa, like that's like how like how are they going to do yeah, that? Yeah, building it's, sets, it's getting actors, yeah, like, getting stories, everything together, and you know having the quality time actually to hang the, for the cast to yeah. hang out is just nah. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, you know, since we're on that topic, we'll discuss this more in a in a standalone episode uh, because really we should talk about the hunted. But but yeah. just to finish off, like there has been some encouraging, interesting, encouraging announcements about cast. Uh, I especially am very excited about the captain of the Discovery. We talked about this already, but and now uh, just recently, and I, I know you just posted an episode. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but uh, but um, uh, Harry Mudd has been cast. So that yeah. like. You know, at first I was like, what? You know, 
but it kind of set my mind into motion because that's an interesting choice of a character. You have, we we now have Sarek <laughs> and we now have Harry Mudd. And if I, I and I haven't had a chance to watch the all the Harry Mudd episodes, so maybe you might because I think you've seen the ones on the animated series. I, yeah, and I had the well unfortunate to watch the original series episode with him <laughs> as well. <laughs> I, there's two. I, there's two I, original yes, there's two of them. And well, yeah. if, if you consider the animated series as a fourth season of the original oh, series, you gotta say whatever you sa- you gotta say whatever you said again. <laughs> oh, sorry. So if if you, if you consider the uh, animated series as the fourth uh, season of the original series, actually you uh, can say okay, it's three episode in total, but. No, my my uh, my latest video is called uh, Mudness. So <laughs> you, you, my, can, you can you can my, you can sense my feelings about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you because my curiosity is peaked because I remember Brian Fuller making some kind of statement where he said that Star Trek Discovery was based on an obscure kind of reference in the original series that no one will probably get, and everyone's kind of like Balance trying of terror. to figure. That's yeah, what they. That's, that's what, what everyone says. Yes. Is that the official? Was that what he was referring to? Uh, because I wonder. Because I wonder now, if uh, if Harry Mudd's in this, I wonder if there if there isn't something that he mentions in the original series or, or a line that he throws away or something that you know is going to be very <laughs> important uh, <laughs> for I, Star Trek Discovery. I personally <laughs> have a strong feeling Harry Mudd not gonna. He won't have any involvement in the storyline of Star Trek Discovery, uh, but that's my opinion. But as I said in my, in my last video, and just being cool about the whole thing, I don't really want to go into theory crafting, crafting about this because we don't freaking know anything. <laughs> no, just we, been, we really don't. Because it he just he just been announced, <laughs> and and Harry Mudd as a character yeah. in the original series was just a, a secondary character. So basically, they supposed to be the fun. Um, episodes with him obviously it was for me this was quite annoying as a character but i think in star trek discovery he will be just like the lighter side of star trek discovery i don't think he will have but that's my opinion someone yeah, will prove me wrong I mean, the well, series will prove me wrong i won't mind <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think he will have a significant role like the same okay. with sarek as well but let's keep this for the standalone episode <laughs> I, we'll keep it for this. We'll we'll talk more about this on the standalone episode. But also, I just do want to say that now I feel a little bit something something about this for some reason has kind of triggered a little bit more confidence in in me personally. I'm still you know holding my breath and and waiting and waiting to see obviously when that first episode airs, which is I don't know. It's either going to be extremely exciting or extremely uh, sad. <laughs> well, um, we shall see. <laughs> We shall see indeed. Anyways, uh, so... Back to Hunted now. <laughs> back to the Hunted. Um, uh, so, you know, there was there was that scene with, you know, those scenes with, uh, with uh, Troy. And I think that, like, you know, I know that it kind of started off in a cheesy way where you... Uh, she, she's walking along and then all of a sudden she... <laughs> Yeah, no, but it was, it was as you as you said, it was nice. Actually, yeah, she went down and she was like, "Okay, are you okay?" Because I, I sense you have pain, and and then okay, the pain is gone after the conversation. And um, that that line from um, Danar was just like funny. It's like because when she asked him, it's like, "What's wrong?" And you know, there was a long, dark-haired girl, and she broke my heart, and now I. <laughs> That's right. It's like, <laughs> it was just so funny, and, and even even Diana was like, 
whoa, okay, uh, that was new. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was it was uh, interesting, and actually, I quite enjoyed because uh, while uh, she was discovering him as a as a person behind this reputation that he built up, uh, you know, with the escape mission and everything, um, he actually started to get um, stand next to him and fight for his case. So it was kind of, and even he he goes up to Captain Picard like, okay, there's something else in the background, so it's we, sh- we shouldn't uh, just you know ignore that because we are involved already, even if it's an internal security, but we got involved <laughs> with the situation, so we right. shouldn't uh, ignore. But obviously Picard Picard denies at the beginning everything because you know it's like you can't be well, because he, he ruined the Enterprise already. So what? yeah, he has to consider the safety of the crew. Yeah, yeah. There's that um, on. There's a quote here uh, uh, of that conversation you were referring to, Mm. and she says, he's intelligent, thoughtful, typically Angosian. I know what he's done, but when I'm with him, I cannot believe that he is randomly and deliberately violent. In fact, inherently, he has a nonviolent personality. And so, you know, and then his response to that is, well, it took five of my men to restrain him. Um, You know, so... It's a tough situation for Captain Picard, but he does listen to Counselor Troy, you know. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. And, after after he, he said, actually, when even when uh, Data <coughs> had a conversation with him, um, and funny uh, thing is when Data had a conversation with him at the beginning, you know, uh, Denar asked Data, like, "Oh, you were the one who actually uh, found me in the um, around the moon," and, and Data says, "Yes, that was my idea, but actually, it wasn't his idea. He took the, uh, took the credit from Riker." Because Riker had the one who actually said, so maybe he just borrowed the uh, cloaking device and he was pointing it out, maybe it's the gravitational field of this asteroid. And right. the polar, and it's like, what? I was, <laughs> but that was totally, he totally stole the credit from Riker. I, I didn't remember that, uh, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but that's that would be really funny if that that's really funny. But huh, Riker didn't get pissed off of this because you know he wasn't Take there at the conversation. But gosh, why? That's funny. <laughs> From data, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember why they sent data into the brig to talk to Dinar or why he wanted to talk to Dinar. Do you remember? Um, It was because um, as Dinar was programmed to be a soldier, programmed to be a a killer machine and Data was programmed to to do things as well and and he was I think he was just kind of sort of try to understand what's his um, his statement and how he works as an individual and I'm pretty sure he was curious at one point as well, you know, just to help understand him as a as a being right and the the result of the conversation is actually pretty interesting too because uh data says well you know if you've been programmed can't your programming be undone and he, and uh, you know uh dinar in that scene he's like well if it could be don't you think my our scientists would have done it right by now yeah. um and then ironically we we do find out the answer to that and again this is another situation where like on the outside you have a very idyllic and and peaceful society but at the core it's a very rotten society <laughs> because when when confronted with the idea of rehabilitating the soldiers um the prime minister's answer is like well we did a lot of research and we we didn't think it was going to be worth the effort and Picard's just kind of like the crew of the Enterprise is just kind of like 
WTF, like, it is worth the effort, you know, like, that's where your money should be, you know, going is to try to reintegrate these people and undo the conditioning. So, and he even admits in that scene also, I think, that he can undo the physical uh, parts. What is, what are you laughing at? No, I'm just, I'm just thinking about this WTF, because obviously um, <laughs> everyone's aware of what the WTF is, but then I thought of, I thought of came up with another explanation. Watch the, fer- watch the Ferengi. <laughs> what the Ferengi? No, no, no. What, watch, watch the Ferengi. Oh, watch the Ferengi. I like that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good way. You <laughs> That's a good way, good way to say something inappropriate. <laughs> right. But of course, WTF didn't exist when DS9 was on the air. Otherwise, I think that would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to use in DS9. Uh, major uh, <laughs> WTF <laughs> Who that's supposed to be? <laughs> it's a ter- my terrible Odo uh, Oh Odo impersonation <laughs> I, can't. I, I can do I a still... really terrible Hikaru Sulu but Oh uh, my I can only do that like the oh my <laughs> I, I tried that so, one too but it doesn't really come out with me uh, Although once I, I, I once I tried like uh, I'm Captain Sulu USS Excelsior. Well, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of, and uh, no, back to Starfleet, boy. <laughs> More fact to five. <laughs> Gosh, make it so. I don't think he ever said that, but uh, <laughs> do it. I think his thing is do it. Um, but uh, uh, didn't yesterday was April Fool's Day. Yes. And didn't George Takei fool everyone into thinking uh, he was running for Congress or something like that? Did you see oh, that? Oh, gosh. I, I wish he wasn't fooling. <laughs> I know. That would be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened uh, yesterday. And then Star Trek posted some April Fool's joke, but I didn't really understand it. Or I didn't. I don't know. What Did you happen to see it? Uh, no. No, oh, I, okay. I don't. I, I, was, I was actually think, thinking to uh, release a... April's full video, but I I didn't do anything. <laughs> what would your what would your idea have been? Oh gosh, well it's it's basically uh, turning Trekker Prize into uh, Trekker Wars or something, <laughs> doing a totally different idea. <laughs> or a maybe totally st- Star Wars. <laughs> that, that, that was the first, and then I thought, okay, maybe I will do a Trekker Prize beauty show or something instead. <laughs> <laughs> How to just like a Ferengi in a, a rice and moonlight or something? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, really awesome. actually, actually, that could be a good episode too. But nah, nah. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have like Vulcan ears or Ferengi ears or? Oh any no, unfortunately not. Like I have. Um, oops, I have some oh. tribbles around. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> some furry, some furballs. Tribble, a uh, tribble is a good thing to have around. Um, the uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I actually, yeah, I want to extend my garment <laughs> in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I I missed I was working yesterday so I missed out on all the cyber stuff uh that happens on April Fools so I'll probably after the show go and check out what happened <laughs> but I think Google Google always does something funny uh they always participate and um I think T-Mobile did something funny this year with a bodysuit uh, a wearable wearable technology uh, <laughs> April Fools. So I'm looking forward to to seeing what Star Trek did because I, I I just caught a glimpse of it. I didn't get a chance to really dive into it. Um, of course, by the time this episode airs, uh, <laughs> April Fools will be like four or five weeks behind <laughs> us. So uh, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize to the future audience. 
we <laughs> we do uh, record these uh, in advance. <laughs> but now you know when it was recorded, which is kind of fun. It's like a message um, in a bottle, in a way. <laughs> oh yeah! Hey, I like that, Gary. <laughs> That's really good. Our little we're we're doing little messages and capsules and sending them out to the future and like <laughs> lo- long after we're gone uh, five weeks from now please <laughs> i want to live <laughs> no, with no. my fourth year at least <laughs> no imagine like if youtube survives 300 years from now and like star trek is real like there you know as you know with obviously with um as real as it can be and there's like <laughs> part of uh some ensign on board the Enterprise is like, oh, what's this? Uh, let's do a search, and they find our shows, all of our shows, everyone who's ever. And done they're like, look, they're talking Trek. about us. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these strange people? <laughs> they still have wires connecting everything. And I've then suddenly, suddenly we realize, okay, they came back with in time, and both of our sides are terminated now. It's like stop, oh, no. stop spoiling the future now. <laughs> the time war. We're we're casualties in the time war. That would be really funny. Wow. Uh, although I believe that Captain Kirk would save us. He would come back Probably. and make Your it. Your is alive. He would come back and 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 reset time and everything else. <laughs> the the next. Um, the next episode's interestingly very similar, and I can't wait to talk to you about that. But let's go ahead and wrap up our thoughts on this one. So we pretty much talked about how uh, <laughs> I just went serious all of a sudden. Sorry, we yeah, pretty much sure. talked about the highlights of the episode, the the theme, the you know the story, really good story, um, the action, very interesting, but not sometimes it was kind of you know a little far fetched for me. Um, <laughs> I liked the relationship between uh, Counselor Troy and uh, Roga Danar a lot. Uh, James Cromwell's first appearance on Star Trek is pretty awesome. He plays a uh, not-so-nice prime minister. So there's a lot of really good, solid things about this episode. I guess my last question before we give it our rating is, did you think that Counselor Troy developed romantic feelings for Dana Rogar, for Roga Danar? Well... She kind of has the ability to fall into people. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, uh, just seeing them and, and you know getting emotionally a bit attached to them and their case. Uh, but I think at the end uh, she was a bit more like uh, grateful by them. She wasn't. She wasn't falling for him, and I don't think she was actually attracted to him as a person. But maybe I, I don't know. I can't read her mind. But um, oh, he's a very han- the actor is very handsome. I thought <laughs> Rogadena is pretty pretty <laughs> sexy. <laughs> so so physically, I think she may have had an attraction to him. May it's have, possible. but at the at the end, before before they beamed up to the Enterprise, uh, she had a smile on her face um, when. Roga Dainar uh, looked at her, and I think I think that was the sort of it, I, I don't think that was like affection affection towards him. It's it, I think it much, was much like a a uh, satisfaction, a feeling of satisfaction. Like okay, I I was right, and I I I was actually glad to help this guy um, and fought, fight for his his rights and his beliefs, and you know for his his rights basically. I think that's that's mainly that. Um. Oh yeah, there you go. 
Obviously, no one can see it, just us. <laughs> no, no, it's on it's on the screen. So everyone, no, no, I mean, oh, I mean, talking about the audience <laughs> in oh, the yeah. podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, in the pod, p- podcast audience, uh, right now I have a picture of Ro- uh, Dana Ro- Rogard. Ah, Roga Danar. <laughs> On the uh, on the screen here, you can easily just type Brogadenar and on Google and find pictures of him. But the actor, um, the actor who uh, plays him, whose name eludes me, but uh, elude, Jeff McCarthy. Thank you. He, uh, yeah, he's a very attractive actor in my opinion. So I think Counselor Troy would definitely have. That's why I wonder because maybe you know some of the scenes, and maybe it's just the way Marina Sirtis. She probably just has this like natural. Uh, uh, intimacy that she's able to convey very easily. I mean, I, I, I feel like she's also a very beautiful woman. So well, I mean, like, you know, she is, yes. maybe undoubtedly, uh, <laughs> so undoubtedly, right? So I think that, um, I think that, anyways, I think what you were saying is perhaps that because she's an empath, it's easy for her to. It, it, it's easy for her to quote unquote fall in love with people in general. Is that what mm-hmm. you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I think that's a great, I think that's fair. I think that's true. And it kind of like sheds a little light on perhaps, um, cancer Troy could be misunderstood. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if circumstances were different. And if, uh, I think that's the sad part there too, is that I do think that if circumstances were different, and uh, uh, Rogadenar was not, you know, so screwed up from all his uh, enhancements and conditioning uh, that perhaps there could have been a scene. It, it, let's say he, was, you know, <laughs> there could have been a scene in Ten Forward where they're sharing a cocktail and having a very romantic, uh, you know, time. So I think that the potential for that is something that maybe I wanted as a viewer, and that's what I'm kind of imposing. <laughs> Imposing onto it with my question here. <laughs> she always gets one, someone. She always gets someone. So let's not give her all the time someone. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Um, I thought the uh, fight scenes, uh, one last thing that reminded me of for some weird reason is uh, Jeff McCarthy. I wonder if he has a dancing uh, or acrobatics background because in the fight scenes he was very acrobatic and, and like almost moved like a dancer. And I know that there are some martial arts that, um, that, you know, that, that like, uh, is it called capybara where it's kind of like a dance well, according to martial arts, according you know. to IMDb, it says um, uh, completed the MFA acting training with the American Conservatory uh, Theater in San Francisco. Then um, he originally became known for his leading roles in Broadway musicals. So I guess he can uh, sort of, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he has some. Yeah, well, you then. have to you have to sing and dance, so that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so that kind of. <laughs> That kind of makes more sense to me now. I think it is very physical to be a Broadway uh, performer. So, Especially uh, in musicals. Made, yeah, and so it made sense that his moves were kind of like dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, very interesting. All right, so I am ready to rate this episode. Um, I think, uh, you know, as much as I liked it and it had a lot of great points, for me it's going to be uh, 6.5. Whoa, this time around okay. yeah <laughs> i think i'm gonna go for seven that's kind of usual from me all the time it's like it's yeah it's like, like a baseline it's like, kind yeah of thing, it's yeah. like 
it's like the episode is good enough. It has a couple of issues, but yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a seven from me. That's cool. So yeah, <laughs> I think you know. Again, just to recap, I guess our our what I really loved about the episode was definitely the story. Uh, I I do rate a lot on rewatchability, and to me, this is like an episode that I now that I've seen it, I'm like, okay, I got the point. I don't know if I'm gonna spend my time, which I don't have a lot of, <laughs> to necessarily rewatch this episode, unless I was doing it intentionally, like in 20 years, where we're doing Starfleet Boy watches Star Trek: The Next Generation, and he's in his 60s now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but other other than that, I probably wouldn't go back to this episode as like a a, a favorite or a playlist episode. So it was good though. It's a really solid, good episode, and um, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. (laughs) Sweet. Well, thanks for joining me on this uh, casual and informal discussion here on Starfleet Boy. Uh, Thank you for having uh, me. (laughs) Thank you. Onward and and forward, and we'll uh, live long and prosper, and we'll see you.